Welcome to Higher Calling Wildlife with award-winning wildlife journalist Chester Moore. From deep investigations to interviews with top experts, Higher Calling Wildlife is the place to get informed and inspired about all things wildlife. Welcome to Higher Calling Wildlife. This is Chester Moore checking in from the Sheep Show in beautiful Reno, Nevada. The Wild Sheep Foundation showcase for all their conservation efforts and expo for mountain hunting, etc. Here with my friend Froilan Hernandez. He is the Desert Sheep Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Chester. Thank you for having me. You know, um, the Desert Sheep Program has been very, very successful in Texas and um, bring it back to historic levels. There was a little bump there with some disease issues and things like that. But uh, just for people who've been keeping up with like weather updates and drought conditions over the last year, tell us a little bit about uh, range conditions right now in the Trans-Pecos. Yeah. Well, so uh, fortunately we've had some pretty good, uh, pretty good rains here in the last several months. Mm -hmm. uh, our, our monsoon season finally kicked up. And mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, that, that helped uh, start it. And then we've had a little bit of Winter moisture also, mm -hmm. uh, so the conditions are a lot better than they were this time uh, a year ago. Uh, still not uh, the way we'd like them to be, but mm -hmm. but certainly a little better than they were uh, last year. How many mountain ranges are Desert Bighorns currently on in Texas? So uh, historically, there was about 17 or 18 mountain ranges that had bighorns in them, and mm -hmm. right now we're up to about 11. Well, so yeah, so it's it's. Uh, with that regard, we're we're doing pretty good. Mm -hmm. And where are the numbers currently? See, and so that's kind of where uh, uh, this year we took a turn. You mentioned they had some bumps in the road, yep. uh, disease issues. Mm -hmm. uh, one in 2019, south of Van Horn, and then uh, no, that was a I guess the the fall of 2019. Mm -hmm. We had a disease event in Van Horn, and then the following spring in 2020. A disease event in Black Gap and so that knocked us back and there's a couple of the mountain ranges that the numbers are lower than than average and mm -hmm. so right now uh, we uh, you know we've got about we finished our counts in in November and so we've got about 900 a thousand animals in in, you know, in Texas in those 11 mountain ranges when mm -hmm. uh, five six years ago we had 15 1600 yeah so, and so uh, right now there's been a lot of guzzler work and things like that with the Texas Bighorn Society and others. Uh, anything in particular sort of address that or just kind of move forward what you've been doing and trying to make lamb recruitment work better? What's kind of the strategy moving forward? Well, so the strategy is exactly that, monitor the, you know, the lamb recruitment because yep. that's really the indicator yep. if, if the population has stabilized or not. And mm -hmm. if you have... Uh, say 25% lamb recruitment, then mm -hmm. while it's not great, it's a good indicator that it's the population is stabilized and, mm -hmm. and, and, and slightly might be, maybe even uh, increasing, but, but certainly uh, not tanking. Uh, anything below that, you know, uh, you, you really monitor your population, but that's exactly the, the strategy is monitor, uh, closely monitor the population and look at lamb recruitment as an indicator of, mm -hmm. if, uh, you know, if the disease is still there or not. Now, how quick can the Trans-Pecos bounce back from drought? Well, uh, as far as the range conditions, yeah. uh, it'd be in an arid, uh, arid environment, and that's how arid mm -hmm. environment, you know, mm -hmm. they, luckily they respond uh, rather quickly to, uh, mm -hmm. uh, to, to precipitation. Mm -hmm. If the habitat is degraded, then it does take a little longer, but 
Uh, most of our ranges are, are, are not degraded. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a few that, that are uh, in not as good a condition as we'd like for them to be because of the odd dead and high densities and, mm-hmm. and a little bit of overuse, but, but it, does, it does bounce back uh, fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. And Texas being 97% privately owned, I mean, the bulk of uh, Trans-Pecos is under private ownership, so no private uh, ranchers are a very important part of your management equation. Oh, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, I've always said, and that uh, you know the success, success that that Texas Parks and Wildlife has seen with with the Bighorn program is is because of partnerships. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not a one man show, and it's certainly not a a one agency success story. It's mm-hmm. been multiple partners, whether you're talking about NGOs or just mm-hmm. interest groups and whatnot. But the landowner, if not for the landowner, because mm-hmm. it is ninety seven percent Texas is ninety seven percent private. Without the landowner, then progress ceases. So they're, mm-hmm. they're, a, they're a major, major partner. Uh, do you find that many of the landowners have a, a strong conservation ethic toward wild sheep and wanting to balance you know, livestock, wild sheep operations, and also just mule deer and other Trans-Pecos wildlife? Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned mule deer because that that's exactly it. A lot of them are very uh, wildlife-oriented, and so yep. while they do things that benefit sheep, it also benefits other, other wildlife, mm-hmm. and, and, and vice versa. They'll do things that benefit whether mm-hmm. a mule deer or whatnot, you know, it still be- benefits sheep. But, yes, uh, we're fortunate that, that landowners do or, you know, are that, you know, they do have that awareness and, and do want to do the good things that, that benefit Texas wildlife. Well, you mentioned the elephant in the room or the uh, non-sheep sheep in the room, the awdad, uh, which is a challenge because of the numbers out and free-ranging. But uh, you had mentioned something um, at the chapter and affiliate summit that Parks uh, and Wildlife is more or less taking a stand of, like, we're going to work around this and do what we can work with private landowners. We know we can't totally change it. There's too many out there, but we're going to try to manage it the best we can. Is that sort of still the path forward and, and trying to educate people about this as well? You know, that is. That it's exactly the, the, the path forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, we recognize that, as you mentioned, because of the just the high densities, it's almost impossible for us to say we're going to get rid of all of them. Yeah. And uh, in addition to that is... Uh, landowners you know they get supplemental income through through mm-hmm. hunting and mm-hmm. so I in my right mind cannot ask a landowner to get rid of a mm-hmm. of a resource that uh, you know that, that gives them that supplemental mm-hmm. income and I, I say this often I, I had a landowner come uh, to the office and we were talking sheep and and it was a bad year and, and he was saying man I you know it just had it not been for all that hunt, hunting I would not have survived because he at that time he was destocking and whatnot so yeah. it was you know, dire situation for him from a livestock perspective, mm-hmm. but having you know having that uh, other resource to uh, to utilize, you know, it allowed him to allowed him to stay afloat. So again, uh, in my right mind, I cannot ask him one to uh, to fully remove him. But the the plan moving forward is to to do research and to see what a threshold might be. How many can the uh, countryside support? Uh, how much? How many animals can the habitat support? Whether that be mule deer. Uh, big horn and and all that so mm-hmm. you know we're looking at it from a totally different perspective now mm-hmm. is there any evidence suggests that uh, all that cause any problems for livestock so uh, I'm glad that you that you mentioned that because you know this this research so we're we're uh, fixing to start an initiate a, a project a research project that's going to look at those uh, thresholds and what numbers mm-hmm. of all that can the habitat support that don't impact negatively mm-hmm. impact our, our native species, mm-hmm. 
But the other component is, uh, and that won't be part of this research, but certainly we're looking into it mm -hmm. because there, there's, there's quite a bit of interest in that, is to look at how the ODAD also impact livestock. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of intriguing things. And for those who've never been out to the Trans-Pecos area of Texas, it's much different than the rest of the state. You got mountains and it's just, it's really, really beautiful out there. And of course we have our desert bighorn sheep population, mule deer, elk that are out there, black bears returning, a lot of rich wildlife out there and I salute all of you out there in the Trans-Pecos for your hard work and some really big country to cover. That's absolutely right. Lots of country yeah, to cover. Lots of country to cover out there. So maybe there's a hunter listening or just a wildlife enthusiast that wants to do something to help bighorn sheep in Texas. What can they do? You know, uh, what you do helps a lot. Mm -hmm. Getting the word out, mm -hmm. uh, raising awareness. So what you do helps, helps a lot. But if they want to take it a step further, just again, just the public being aware of mm -hmm of the challenges and, and issues that, that we're facing, you know, that helps in itself. But if they want to take it a step further and, and help, you know, there's organizations that they can contribute to, whether that be financial contributions or, mm -hmm. or manpower. Uh, you know, that's the Texas Bighorn Society, great partners of ours. They've mm -hmm. been there since day one. And so they can certainly help in, in, in that aspect. We in, in Texas Parks and Wildlife also have an account that we affectionately called the sheep account and so mm -hmm. money can be donated into that account and that money cannot be used for anything but uh, bighorn related related issues so lots of ways to uh, lots of ways to contribute and support well thank you my friend thanks for time to be on the show no absolutely chester it's always a pleasure and 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 again we couldn't get the word out if it weren't for people like you so thank you for doing that my honor and privilege thanks for listening to higher calling wildlife find us on facebook at higher calling wildlife at the Chester Moore on Instagram and our blog at HigherCalling.net. To contact Chester, email Chester at ChesterMoore.com.